Morning, Living Stones. It's great to be with you today and to uh, worship with you this morning. It's a very uh, just sweet presence in the in the room today, and uh, I trust that you are feeling that as well. Um, it is just a great day to be in uh, in church, and and I just uh, I want you to know I've been praying for you. I pray that you're going to leave encouraged uh, this morning. So we are kicking off a new series today that we are calling Direct Line, and um, and, and and so just kind of set it up. I, I wanted I was I was thinking back. Uh, about a, a day, January 9th, 2007, where Steve Jobs stood on the stage at the Macworld conference and introduced the iPhone to the world. Um, and and the, the iPhone, like, it, it was not the, the first smartphone that was out there. It was not the first uh, touchscreen phone that was out there. It was not the first phone that you could put apps on. But, but the iPhone really did kind of like usher in a new era of, of, of connectivity, of, uh, of connection, uh, of the phone use, smartphones, all of that. And, and, and really for, for many of us in the room, like I, it wasn't all that long ago that we can remember a time before we were all carrying a phone in, in our pockets with us all the time. I mean, we, we've really come a long way since um, Alexander Graham Bell made the first phone call in 1876. Which, you know, like, you know, this is total, like, trivia for you, but if, if you want to hold on to this, like, the very first phone call uh, phrase sentence that was spoken was, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. And, and, and thinking about, like, what that was compared to, like, what we have now and, and the way that we can connect with virtually anybody around the world at, at a moment's notice. Um, we really are more connected than at any time ever before in, in the history of of the world, and, and so that that connectivity is, is kind of the idea behind our our series that we're talking about with direct line. And, and thank God that we have a direct line with God. If you've been with us over the last couple weeks, you've heard us uh, talk about how we believe that God is directing us into a season of, of praying and asking and listening. And, and what better way for us to kind of kick this off to get this started than in a in a series talking about about prayer, that, that we, you know, each one of us, we have a direct line to God. We don't have to go through a mediator. Um, we don't have to go through a priest. The, the veil w- was torn, and we have access to God just as we are, as, as individuals and corporately as, as, as a group. And, and so the, the idea of, of phones being a, a direct line to, to other people is a great thing, but it can also be a curse at times too, because like I said, we, we, we can have a, a direct connection with virtually anybody around the world just, just like that. And, and there's some times where, um, where, where we've, we've probably all done this at, at one time or another, I, I, I know I have, where you've accidentally sent a text to somebody who was not supposed to receive that text. That, has anybody ever like willing to admit that that has, has happened? All right, yeah, most of us uh, in, in the room probably have at one time or, or another. It, it, some, some of those are more embarrassing than, than another, but being uh, the, the great and loving husband that I am, um, I, I sometimes like to uh, text my wife in the middle of the day just saying, hey, just thinking about you, you know, hope you're doing good. And, and so I was sending a text that I thought was going to Angela where, where I said, you know, something to the effect of, hey, hon, I love you, you know, can't wait to spend, or can't wait to be with you tonight. And it and it didn't it didn't go to to Angela like I thought. It actually went to my old boss, and and I, and I got a reply I got a reply from him saying I I don't think this was intended for me. 
And I'm just really grateful. I, like, I didn't give any more details or any other thoughts that, that, that I had in my head at, at, at that moment. But, you know, like we, we've all been there at one time or another where, where we accidentally sent something to somebody that they weren't supposed to see. Well, I, but, but that's kind of what happened. You know, we have a direct line with those around us. And, and so this idea of, of a direct line with God, our, our ability to communicate with God is, is really at the heart of this. And, and, and so, like, for, for believers, for Christians around the world, like, we all know that we ought to pray. I think we all, we all want to, to pray, but, but sometimes there are some barriers that, that we have that prevent us from truly engaging with, with God in prayer. Sometimes we don't know, we feel we might not know how to pray. We might not know what to say. Some, sometimes, if we're honest, we, sometimes we get bored. Some of us have ADD, and, and, and it's, it, it gets to be hard to, to sit down and concentrate when I, when I just feel like my mind is going 100 miles an hour. And, and and, you know, there, there's, a, there's a verse I want to begin with this series that is going to kind of uh, serve as the frame for us for, the, for this entire series that, that I pray is going to be an encouragement for, for all of us here. And, and at the end of his letter to the book of Ephesus, Paul writes this admonition in Ephesians 6.18. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. And, and, and I, th I think it's such a, an, an, an incredible verse because not only is Paul saying, hey, I want you to pray on all occasions. There doesn't have to be like a, a set time that, all right, the, the first thing in the morning, this is when I pray. Or, or when I go to bed, all right, that's when I pray. And, and that's good. But Paul's saying, hey, pray on all occasions, all throughout the day. It doesn't have to be at a prescribed time that we can be in communication. We can have our direct line and direct access to God anytime we want. But he, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say pray on all occasions. He goes on to say to pray with all different kinds of prayers and requests. And, and I love this because it, it, it's encouraging to me. There's not one right way to pray. There's not one right way to connect with God. There, there's not a, a, a formula that we that we have to use. There's many different ways that we can pray, that we can make our requests known to God. And, and I'm convinced that, that for many of us, we make prayer way more difficult than it actually is. We, we make it more complicated than, than it really needs to be. And, and so this morning, what, what I want to do is I, I want to give help this morning to anybody, and this is including me, who maybe you've, you've felt times where you've struggled with prayer where you felt stagnant in prayer, or maybe you felt like, all right, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to get the ball started. And what we're going to talk about this morning is, is a way to kind of help all of us in, in how we approach God, in how we talk and how we communicate with Him. And so to, before I get into kind of the, the meat of, of, our, of our message this morning, I, I wanted to say this, that, that God doesn't answer our prayers based on us based on our performance, based on, on, on how he feels about us. He answers prayer based on who he is, not on who we are. Like, God won't be, God can't be manipulated. Let's say, all right, well, God, I, I've not missed church in a month. I, I've been uh, tithing faithfully. You know, I, I, I've, I've served. I've read my Bible every day. And, and, and this week, I didn't even kick the dog. Like, surely, God, you're going to answer me now. Like, it, it doesn't work that way. God, God answers us based on who he is, not based on who we are. And, and so if, if, to kind of set this up this morning, if, if you go through Scripture, if you read virtually 
any prayer that, that is written or any, any prayer that was spoken in, in Scripture, there's usually a portion that's included, usually at the, at the very beginning, where the prayer is focused on the character of God, of, of who God is. But before, before praying about anything, it's just honoring the character of, of who God is and, and spending that time focusing on Him, not on us. And so today, I, I want to kind of use uh, as our main text probably the most famous psalm in, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23. It's one that's familiar to, to many, if not most of us, in, in the room here today. And, and what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to encourage everybody today, as, as we're going through the message, to take notes, either in your bulletin or on our LSC app, because there's, there's some things that I think that, as we're talking this morning, we'll, we'll, we'll breathe some life into, into, our, into our prayers in the way that we connect and communicate with God. And, and so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin just reading all of Psalm 23. It's, it's, it's a short psalm. It's only six verses long. And then we're going to kind of break down the, of what God, I think, is saying to us in, in each of these verses. And, and so you, you can follow along as well. But Psalm 23 begins, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I'm going to break down this, this psalm uh, a, a bit here, and I'm believing that, that we're going to see some, some qualities. We're going to see some characteristics of who God is in this psalm, that, that, if, that if we kind of begin to pray these things and honor God in, in these ways, um, focusing on God first instead of ourselves first, like I said, it, it can breathe some new life into our, our prayer lives. And, and so I, I'm going to begin in Psalm 23, verse 1. The, the very first line that, that the psalmist writes, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. It, it, this is made very personal. David, David makes this extremely personal. He, he's, God, you're not the shepherd that, that my mom and dad have talked about. You're not the shepherd that, that I you know, heard about in church. You're not the shepherd I read about in a book. But you're my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so the, the first point I want to I share this morning is that God is our shepherd. God, God is our shepherd. And, and you think about what, what does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? A, a shepherd leads his sheep. A, a shepherd feeds his sheep. A, a, a shepherd moves his flock around, taking them to places where they can feed, where they can eat, where they can grow. And, and the word shepherd is often used in Scripture talking about a, a pastor, talking about an elder in, in a local church body. And it's my joy, it's my pleasure to be the, the shepherd of, of Livingstone's church. But I want you to know, I'm just an under-shepherd here. God is the one who really is our shepherd. The, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I, I love what, what I'm able to do. I, I try to, to feed you and, and encourage our, our church body on a weekly basis and, and, and pray for you and care for you. But in the end, God is the one who is really our shepherd. He, he's the true shepherd of our church and in our lives. And and it, Jesus actually said it this way in John 10, 14. Jesus spoke and he said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep 
and my sheep know me. And, and so one of the ways that, 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 that maybe we can uh, begin our, our prayers focusing on God is saying, God, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you, thank you, God, for the way that you lead me, the way that you guide me. God, give me, give me ears to hear and eyes to see more of you as you lead me through this life. And then Psalm 23, going back to verse 1, the second part of it is, the Lord is my shepherd. The next part says, I shall not want. I shall not want. God, because you're my shepherd, you take care of, of everything that I need. I'm not lacking in anything. I'm not without because God is our provider. God is our provider. He's not just our shepherd, but he's also our provider. Our provider. He takes care of every single one of our needs. He is Jehovah Jireh. He takes care and supplies of the things that we need. And, and so often, speaking from my own experience, I attempt to be my own provider. I, I try to make my own way. I, I trust in me. I trust in my smarts, in, in, in my financial management. I, I trust in my provision. Instead, of trusting on God. And, 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 and honestly, it's a recipe for disaster. That, that if we're going to trust in ourselves, if we're going to trust in our own finances, if we're going to trust in, in, in our riches, instead of in, uh, trusting in God, it, it is a recipe for disaster. We, we need to trust in the one who richly blesses us, not trusting in our own riches themselves. And, and, and I want you, to, like, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with earning. We, like, we've been called, God has asked us to do that. But the question is, where am I putting my trust? Am I trusting in me or am I trusting in God? Am I trusting in my wealth or am I trusting in the one that is going to provide for me? There was a study that was done a number of years ago in, in 2014. And, and the study, it, it was examining how do Americans spend their finances? Like, what, what do they spend their money on? And, and the, the results of the study actually were really um, eye-opening. They were really surprising in, in some ways that the wealthiest 20% of Americans contributed an average of 1.3% of their income to charity. So the top, the top 20% of income earners donated 1.2% on, or excuse me, 1.3% on average of their income to charity while those in the bottom 20% of American income earners gave an average of 3.2% of their income to charity. I found that really, really fascinating, really unique about where are, we, where are we choosing to put our trust? Am I trusting in finances? Am I trusting in, in, in riches that are here today and gone tomorrow? Or am I truly trusting in God to be the one that is my ultimate provider? Philippians 4.19, Paul writes, he says, my God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And we can say, God, thank you for being my shepherd. God, thank you for being my provider, for the way that you take care of me, the way that you meet all of my needs. And not only do you meet my needs, you meet so many of my wants too. God, you've been such a great provider. You've taken such good care of me. And then if we, if we go to the next verse in Psalm 23, if we go to verse 2, the psalmist writes, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. Like we, we serve a God who wants us to slow down. He wants us to take time to lie down. He wants us to take time to rest. Like can you close your eyes and imagine that picture that's being painted right there? Lying in green pastures. Sitting beside still waters. Like doesn't that sound amazing right now? Like may, may, maybe not right outside here at this moment. But, but like some, some of like my most peaceful moments...
have been sitting alongside a creek that was, that was going and just listening to the, the light sound of the, of the creek bubbling as it goes by and just watching the water. The third character quality I want to focus on in this psalm is that God is our peace. He's our peace. He's our shalom. Like, I, I'm, I'm not looking to, to the bottle. I'm not looking to drugs. I'm not looking to, to sex or pornography to provide peace in my life. No, but our peace comes from God and from God alone. And anywhere we try to, to look for uh, something to satisfy, to, we look for something to, to provide peace in our lives outside of God, it's going to leave us wanting. God doesn't just provide us peace. God actually is peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. And, and, and I, I would be willing to bet that most, if not all of us in the room, are, are, if we thought about it, like we, we've been feeling a certain degree, a certain amount of stress in our lives right now. I mean, this has been a difficult couple of years for, for people, and, and so some of us feeling stressed through because of our work, some feeling stressed because of finances or, or because of stress in relationships, maybe feeling stressed with, with, with some health-related stress, or, or maybe some combination of, of all four of those. Or, or maybe we've added stress upon ourselves because we've added way too many things into our life. We've added way too many things that we've said yes to, that, that maybe there's some in this room that we're just doing too much. Like I, I heard a pastor say one time that just because something is doable doesn't mean that it's sustainable. And that's, re that's really true. And, and I, I love what, what Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 4, verse 6 says. It says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil chasing after the wind. There's so much wisdom in that. Better having just having a little bit in one handful, but you have tranquility, you have peace in your life, than having two handfuls that you have a lot, but you're just toiling and chasing after the wind constantly. Like sometimes it's better to do less and have peace than to run ourselves ragged chasing after the things of this world. Jesus said in John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God, thank you that you are our peace. In the middle, in the middle of the storm of life that we face, God, thank you that you are our peace, that, that, you want, that you want to quiet my soul. God, that you want to order my life, that there's nothing that will satisfy me outside of the peace that you offer and that you bring. Just some different ways that we can, we can just honor God and, and, and look to God first before talking to him about our needs. The, the next verse in Psalm 23, verse 3, says, He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The, the word restore means that, it, that he heals, to, to return something to it, its original state, its place of origin in, in a way. Like, we serve a God who restores and heals the broken things that are in our lives. The things, that we have, the things that have been stolen, the things that we've surrendered. Like God wants to heal those things and restore them back into, into our lives the way they were originally intended to be. The next character, characteristic, character quality of God is that he is our healer. God is our healer. And, I, and I'm not talking just about physical healing, though God still does that. God still does heal our, our physical bodies. But, but we're... We are made up of way more than just this shell that we walk in on or walk around in. And thank God for that. Like, I, I, there's way more to Pat Malloy than just what you see here today. 
Like, I, I mean, I, I, look at, I look at me and, you know, I, I, I think, all right, I'm, I'm too short. I have way too many pounds on me. You know, like, I, I wear a CPAP mask at night that I hate. You know, like, I have to wear reading glasses. Like, they're, they're, this body is, is, all right, God can heal it, but it's still wasting away. But God heals more than just our physical bodies. He restores our souls. He heals, he heals our, our, our souls. And, 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 and those, those areas in our life that, that um, where, where our hearts are unhealthy, the, the, those thoughts that we've had that, that lead us away from God, he heals, he heals our minds, He heals our relationships, that, that God is a healer way more of, than just our physical bodies. But He heals and restores our souls. One of, the, one of the ways that God does this, one of the ways that God heals us sometimes is through other people. That the, the book of James talks about that we confess our sins one to another so that we may be healed, that, that we need somebody in our lives that we can talk to that we can share, hey, this is what's really going on in my life because healing comes through that. God can use other people in our lives to help provide that soul healing that needs to take place. And Jesus is our healer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, you have been healed. And verse 25 goes on to say, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And we can say, God, thank you for being my healer. Thank you, God, that not only do you heal my body, God, that you've healed my mind. You've healed my relationships, Lord. You're healing my soul. You're healing the areas in my heart that are wrong, that have been off. I thank you that you don't leave me exactly as I was. God, you're transforming me into who you want me to be. And then in verse 4 of Psalm 23, it tells us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with us. He's with us in good times and in bad. He's there. He, he is Jehovah Shammah, that no matter where we go, He is the God who is there. The God who is there. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter how far we've walked away, God is still present with us. And, and this character quality that I want to talk about is that God is our constant companion. He's our constant companion. If we are at the funeral home, God is present. He is there with us. If we're at the hospital, God is there with us. If we're in the courtroom, God is there. If we're getting reamed out by our boss, God is there. Like, I, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I've, I've needed this reminder for myself that, that no matter where I go, that I'm not going by myself, that God is there. He's present. He is my constant companion. And that's such a comfort for me. Like, I mean, David wrote, he said, he said your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fact that, that even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they provide comfort to me in these moments. And I'm so glad that, that God is my constant companion, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful. And there, there was something that happened to Angela and I uh, when we first got married. Angela, she worked at a, at a bank when, back when we lived in Milwaukee. And one of the things that her department used to do is every year they would uh, adopt a family that was in need and they would collect money and then buy gifts for this family. And so uh, the, her department did this and Angela was the one that was in charge of going in and purchasing the gifts. And so we went out that day and we bought all kinds of clothes and toys and, and stuff for this family. 
And, and so like we had had earlier in the day, we had had probably about $800 in cash on us that, that we had, had gone and, and spent to buy these gifts. And so that night we went to a Chinese restaurant for dinner. And, and to make a, a long story really short, we were walking back to our car and all of a sudden we hear these footsteps running behind us. And this guy yells, give me your wallet, give me your purse. And he takes a gun out, cocks it, and puts it right to my head. I, and it was probably one of the scariest moments of, of my life. Like just saying, all right, God, I hope he's not having a really bad day. You know, like I hope I don't do something that's going to tick him off. And, and so we, I gave him my, my wallet. Angela gave him her purse. And, and the thing that I, it didn't even really dawn on me until we talked to the police later on that, that evening and he said, all right, what I want you to do is I want you to go out and borrow, borrow some money so you can put new locks on your doors because they had his, Angela's keys and they also have your address to know where you live from our, our driver's license. And, like, and I thought, oh, man, I didn't even think about that. And so that night, like, there was a lot of fear that night. It was difficult to, to go to sleep that night saying, all right, there's somebody out there who, who has our information, who has access into our house. It was fearful. I, it, like, it, it was very fearful for a while. There, there's times even walking at night, I hear footsteps behind me, and, and immediately there's a charge of fear that, that, that jumps in. But the good news is that God is our constant companion. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because you're with me, God. God, that you walk with me no matter what I face. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 13, Starting in verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? God, you are my constant companion. Lord, thank you that you are the God that is there. Thank you that you are the God that is present. Thank you that I don't have to fear because I know you walk with me no matter what it is I face, no matter what it is I go through and walk through, God, you are there with me. Thank you, God, for being the God who's there. But then the next verse in Psalm 23, it begins by saying, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table for me in the presence of, of my enemies. Like, while, while our enemies may want to pick a fight with us, God's saying, hey, I want you to sit down. I want you to have a meal. I, I want you to eat in the presence of, of your enemies. Like, how, how many times in... in well, I, I guess let me go back and say this. Not only is God our constant companion, not only does he walk with us through all the difficult things that we might face, but God is also our defender, He's our defender. He, he, is, he is the one who, who is there with us, who protects us. Like how, how many times if we read through the, the Old Testament stories that, that Israel's enemies came attacking and God said, hey, I got this. You just need to stand still. I'm going to go and I'm going to fight your battle for you. How many times did, <laughs> does God say that to them? And I, I mean, in some ways, this is what came to mind. I, I thank God for our, our men and women that, that are in the military. That while we're sitting here this morning and we can sit here in, in peace, we can go out to, to lunch after service is done, that we have men and women in uniform who are fighting our battles for us. And in some ways, I think that's the picture that, that God is kind of painting here is, is that, all right, God says, I'm going to be your defender. I'm going to be the one that, 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 that protects you. 
that is going to fight those battles for you in, in this moment. And, and just a, like, I, I've, I've, this is just a pet peeve of mine. I, I've, heard, I've heard Christians say, you know, often, you know, we need to stand up and we need to fight for what's right, or, you know, we need to take back our, take back our country for God. And, and, and I just think to myself, what are you talking about? Like, Jesus does not need us to defend him. Jesus does not need us to fight for him. Like, God, God says, no, 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 no. I've already won. I, I've, I've, already, I've already won the victories. You don't need to. You don't need to be the ones to fight. God is our defender. In 2 Thessalonians 3.3, Paul writes, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. God, thank you that you are our defender. Thank you that you fight our battles for us. That our victory is not dependent on me, Lord, but our victory is dependent on you, on who you are. That you are our, our, our banner of victory that goes out before us. And the final characteristic of, of God I want to talk about this morning is the second part of verse 5. Where it says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And he, and he goes on to write, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Livingstone, I want you to hear, like, we are anointed. We have hands, God's hand of blessing upon us. And not only have we been anointed, that, that our cup is so full that it's overflowing, that, that we have enough to share, to pass on to others. Like, God makes sure that we have more than we need so that we can bless those around us. And, and, and I want you to know, like, this is not just for, for pastors for teachers, for, for worship leaders, for, for leaders in, in any kind of capacity. No, God has anointed us. He's anointed you, whether, whether you realize it or not, that, that your cup runs over, that he has things he wants you to do to be able to share with others. And, and so this, this last characteristic of God I want to talk about is that God is our sanctifier. He's our sanctifier. He's the one that, that anoints us. And, and to sanctify literally means to, to set apart to, to be consecrated. And church, I, w- I want you to hear me that, that God has anointed you. God has sanctified you. He set you apart. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, Paul talks about how, how God, before, before you were ever born, God had things set aside that he had anointed you. He had called you to do, people he wanted you to invest in. Like he's called us to something. God's anointed us to do it and that our cup runs over. And, and, and the great news is, regardless of our past, regardless of the mistakes we made, regardless of the times we think we've disqualified ourselves from being used by God, the times we've fallen short and totally blown it, God's saying, no, I've sanctified you. I've anointed you. I've called you. I've set you apart. 1 Peter 2.9 Peter writes, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Like, this is the same chapter where our church gets its name from, talking about being a living stone, but but he's saying, no, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you are God's special possession so that we can declare God's praises to those around us. This is who God says that we are. This is who God says that we 
that we are. And, and so I want to close with one final thought here this morning, that, that as we endeavor on this journey of, of prayer together, there's something that I want us to hold on to. I'm going to circle back to something I said at the very beginning. And this is the, the final point of your taking notes here today. It's that God answers prayer based on who He is, not who we are. God answers prayers based on who He is, not on who we are. God, God hearing, God responding to our prayer is not based on us. If that was the case, we'd all be in trouble. But He answers prayers based on who He is, that He's our shepherd, He's our provider, He's our peace. He is there. He's, he's the God who's our constant companion. He's present. He's our defender. He's our sanctifier. Like we can approach God boldly. We can approach God saying, God, this is who you are. This is who I'm believing you are. And maybe I'm even struggling with it in this moment, but I'm saying in faith, God, this is who I believe you are. Like it, it's so easy for us to, to just jump right in and tell God, all of the needs that we had. All right, God, these are all the things that are going wrong in my life that I need you to fix, that I want you to work on. But before we get to our needs, before we get to our desires and, and our requests, if we, if we just approach God and just focus on Him, focus on who He is, His attributes, His character first. I, I, it, I'm not sure if you know who Lisa Turkhurst is. She's a... a a best-selling author, and she posted something last night on, on Facebook that I saw that I thought was really appropriate for this morning, and this is what she wrote last night. She said, tonight, let's pray prayers that make God our focus rather than our circumstances. Here's a few things I've been inspired to pray. God, despite my circumstances, I will find reasons to praise you. God, even when I feel disappointed by what life brings, I will trust you that you're going to bring good out of bad. God, no matter what, I'm going to hold on to you and hold on to your truths that my deepest desire is for more of you in me. Like, I, I love the way that she begins that. Let's focus our prayers and center our prayers on, on God rather than on our circumstances. And, and we're going to talk more about this later in, in this series, but something I believe prayer is much more about changing me than it is about trying to get God to do the things I want him to do. The, the, the purpose of us praying is not to try to twist God's arm. It's not to try to manipulate him, trying to get God to do something he's reluctant to do. And, and if we just, you know, harass him enough, well, then he's just finally go ahead and do it. No, prayer is much more about changing me, changing my mindset, changing the way I think, changing my heart. And, and, it, and so the, this morning, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boldly ask that all of us as, as a part of our church family, if, if you'd participate in, in something with us, that most of you probably know, uh, every week I put together a, a weekly reading plan. I have a, a memory verse that, that correlates and goes along with what our, our message was that we talked about on Sunday. But it, as we're entering and going into this season of, of praying and asking and listening, one of the things that I'm doing is, is I'm also putting together a weekly prayer prompt. And so if you grabbed a bulletin today, you, you found one of these prayer prompts inside your bulletin. If you didn't grab a bulletin, we have more at the uh, welcome desk on your way out. You can grab a bulletin. You can grab one of these cards. And throughout the week, I'm, I'm asking, would you, as, as a part of the Livingstone Church family, would we pray along together? Would we pray along the same lines? Be asking God. 
praying God that for the praying to God for the same things. And so we've printed them on, on cards for you. There's going to be different ones each week. And, and so this week, the prayer prompt I, I'm asking all of us to participate in is say, pray that God gives us eyes to see, ears to hear more of Him, and that we would become more sensitive to His Spirit and to His leading. And so I, I'm asking, would, would you take one of these cards? Would, would you join us together in, in prayer this week, praying that, God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Make my spirit more sensitive to you and your leading. And so we, we printed these off because I, I want you to take this and I want you to put it somewhere that you're going to see it. Maybe stick it in your Bible and, and that way, you know, when you, when you go to, to read your Bible during the week, you're going to be reminded to, to pray. God, give me eyes to see more of you. Give me ears to hear you. Help, help my spirit to be more sensitive to you and your leading. You, you could put it on the mirror in the bathroom that as you're getting ready in the morning. We can pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. If you remember what, what Paul wrote in Ephesians. You put it on, on the dashboard of your car that as, as you're commuting to work that we, that we can pray this. You could, you could put it on your desk at work. You could put it in the, the window above your kitchen sink. Somewhere that you're going to see it. And that throughout the week you're gonna, we're going to all, every one of us, as a part of the Livingstones Church family, be praying the same prayer together. God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear more of you. That we would become more sensitive to your spirit and to your leading. We're, we're going to do a new one each week. And in the book of Acts, talking about the, the early church in Acts chapter 1, verse 18, says all of these, all the different people, people from all different walks of life, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, that they were united, they were unified together. Vastly different people, vastly different experiences, being on one accord together, devoting themselves to prayer. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm asking for all of us as, as a church family to do. So if you didn't grab a, a bulletin, make sure you grab one of these cards on, on your way out today and be praying that. Be praying with us together as a church family. So if you would, would you stand and allow me just to pray over, over all of us right now this morning. The Father, I, I thank you, God, for being with us. Thank you, God, that you are our shepherd. God, thank you that you are our provider, Lord, that you take care of all of our needs, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are our peace. And in the middle of, of turbulent times, in the middle of, of things that feel overwhelming, God, that you are our peace, that you help us to, to, you lead us to green pastures, to lay beside still waters. God, thank you, God, that you are our constant companion, Lord, that no matter what life throws our way, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, that you, we don't have to fear because you are with us. You are the God who is there. You are our constant companion. God, thank you that you are our defender. God, that we don't have to go and fight our own battles, Lord, that we can trust in you. God, we know that, 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 that you've already won the victory, and Lord, so God, we just honor you. We thank you, God, for being our defender. God, thank you for being our sanctifier. Thank you for the way that you've set us apart, Lord, that you have anointed us. You've called us out for such a time as this, Lord. God, I, I, I pray that as, as a church family, as we embark on this season of seeking you. God, you'd help us to know you more, to know you better, to know you deeper. 
God, that we would recognize you. Those, and, and, and that's not an exhaustive list of character qualities of who you are. But God, as, as we approach you, as we talk to you, Lord, that those things would be on our lips. God, thank you. God, that, that our focus would be you, not so much our needs, our circumstances. God, our focus in prayer would be you. So God, we honor you. We thank you. And this week, God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see more of you ears to hear more of you, God, that you would help us to be more sensitive to your leading and to your Holy Spirit as we go about our our walk. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time.